0: Welcome to episode 2 of That Classical Podcast, this time Stravinsky and Debussy.
1: Welcome to another episode of That Classical Podcast. Hi, how are hey. you doing? Yeah. I'm doing great, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to talk some more about classical music. Oh, yeah, it's probably me my favourite thing to do in um, the
1: world. I think we should start by saying thank you so much for all the feedback mm. um, that you've given us over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's we really do appreciate it, even uh, the horrific insults that we've we've got so <laughs> far.
0: Thousands and thousands of hate messages we've got. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, yeah. Um, Please do remember, also, if you enjoyed the podcast, to rate us on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy it, maybe just skip that. Don't. I wouldn't bother. That's fine. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: What are we talking about today, Kelly? What's the difficult second album going to be about? Oh,
1: God, you you said it. Um, So, we did say last week that we were going to have more of a sort of solid uh, theme Mm. to our episodes from now on. So, today, uh, we're going to talk about Stravinsky, Igor Stravinsky. And Claude Debussy.
0: Claude Achille Debussy.
1: <laughs> Achille, like what? Like Achilles?
0: Yeah, like Achilles. It was...
1: Whoa, that's kind of tempting fate if you call yourself Achilles, <laughs> isn't it? I don't know, I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, so we're going to be talking about them because... What, uh, what was our reason? There's,
0: there's, like, there's a vague thematic link. So they were okay. both... Uh, allied, they overlapped. They were both around sort of turn of the 20th century was okay. when they... They crossed over. I'll take they were both it. sort of modernizers. They
2: New
1: reimagined. Classicists.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they sort of reimagined some stuff about harmony and the way in which music should sound. So we thought it'd be interesting to talk about the two of them.
1: Awesome. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, anything else to say before we dive in?
0: I think we should just get on with it.
1: Let's do that. <laughs>
0: so, Claude Debussy.
1: Claude. Claude. <laughs> um, right. So, what we've decided to do is um, just to give a, a very, very brief uh, background and context to the composer, we've decided to do their life in 60 seconds for you. Uh, This is quite a difficult This was
0: really hard. So I I was tasked with uh, doing a little biography of Debussy. Um, Turns out there was no time to talk about any of his music (laughs) because he had so many affairs. (laughs) So I'm just going to be mainly talking about Debussy's love life.
1: That's actually quite impressive. Um, Okay, and I'm going to be genuinely sitting here timing him. uh, (laughs) And I will be giving him signposts. Um, at 30 seconds I'm
0: really stressed out this and is never so going on. to fit into 60 it's, seconds you've got,
1: to ha- it's, you've got to make it happen alright okay. just do what you need to do <laughs> you ready
0: I'm so ready psych yourself up okay
1: you ready three
0: two go what you can't you, you, yeah that's what they do on TV we're not on TV oh. <laughs> try again do it again <laughs> okay listeners she calmed down three right. two and then she like started waving her fingers and it's an actually, audio then medium then I said go
1: which totally me to the point <laughs> okay <laughs> you ready right okay three Two, one, go. Debussy, born
0: 1862, died 1918. Learned the piano at seven, ten went to the Paris Conservatoire. Eighteen years old, started an eight-year affair with a singer called Marie-Blanche Vazilier. He moved to Rome, then moved back to Paris after a while. Uh, In Paris, started a relationship with a lady named Gabi Dupont. He cheated on her with a singer named Thérèse Roger. His friends disapproved, lots of them cut ties with him... Bit of a pariah. He then left Gabby for her friend, Lily, who was a model. He married Lily in 1899 after he threatened to kill himself if she refused. Then after a while he got sick of her, she wasn't musical, and couldn't have kids. Oh so, god. ah! So he had an affair with a lady named Emma Badak, who was the married mother of one of his pupils. Uh, he sent Lily to her father's house, he went on holiday with Emma, who was musical and sophisticated. They came back from holiday, Claude broke up with Lily by letter, days before their fifth wedding anniversary. Lily tried to kill herself by shooting herself in the chest. Didn't work.
2: Fifteen seconds! Oh god!
0: Uh, then more friends cut ties with Claude after that, they wasn't good. All of Paris disowned Emma and Claude. They moved to England for a while. Emma was pregnant at this point, then came back to Paris at uh, the end of five 1905. Left. Shut up! After 1905, they had their daughter Claude Emma, and Debussy wrote loads of music inspired by her. They married in 1908, stayed together for about 10 years, uh, and then Claude died in 1918 through rectal
1: cancer. One oh, minute god. and five seconds. Oh, that was so close. Oh my god. That was so close. I should mine five points, though. Are we doing points? I don't know from what, but. Just
0: taking <laughs> five points off your arm. <laughs> okay, life. that
1: was great. Oh, I really
0: hope you understood any of that. No, that guys. was great. Okay, cool. I,
1: I mean, what, player. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> i um, <could> lose. <laughs> just like the married mother of one of his pupils. Hilarious. I
1: mean, and then he was, was like, yeah, it I mean, awful. Terrible, he but...
0: Broke up with his wife of five years by Jeez. letter it's after like sending so
1: many- that is the worst breakup text. Maybe <laughs> That's this the worst ever breakup happened. text. Yeah. Did it say saws? <laughs> um, me. it's not me nah. it's me <laughs>
0: no I think he was definitely like it's 100% you <laughs> he wasn't that considerate um oh, so gollocks. that
1: that is, that is bad
0: it's pretty pretty rough right so that that in a little nutshell sly dog. was <laughs> you a dog great okay Debussy's well love life. i
1: hope that provided thank you very much Chris. Very well, was, I,
0: I was so that stressful was that was so stressful to,
1: behold, to witness. <laughs> um i hope that's it, given you listeners uh, a vague idea of Of his, I guess his inspiration uh, for all of his beautiful music. Why not? Why not? Um, Right. So, without further ado, shall we? Shall we move on to the first piece then? Which Which piece have you chosen?
0: So, uh, I decided to choose a relatively famous piece by Monsieur Debussy, one that I think you probably would all know. So, it's called Claire de Lune, Uh
1: um,
0: which has been featured on like every advert and film ever. Maybe in every
1: film ever made. Yeah, Um, Ocean's Eleven.
0: Twi- Twilight <laughs> the Levi's advert
1: we've, we've done our research guys
0: um, so yeah so it's the the third movement in a piano suite that he wrote in 1890 it's called the Suite Bergamasque and this is the third movement of three um, and he based it on a poem by a chap named Paul Verlaine uh, not going to read the poem out to you that's a bit pretentious why the hell not because it's pretentious okay uh, look it up yourself if you're interested in uh, 19th century French poetry <laughs> Anyway, we're going to play you a bit of it now, Uh, I hope you'll recognise it, if not, enjoy it for the first time. Did you make of that, Kelly? Did you enjoy that?
1: Oh well, <laughs> you're asking a very biased person because I can safely say, hand on heart, I've probably played that piece every day for the past ten years on piano. That's not true. Every not single that- day for the I mean, last ten Honestly, like most days, like, if I go that's to not, my that's piano, not every day, is if I, if I'm being totally honest, but. Every time I go to my piano that is what I want to play and I have, have yet to get bored of it
0: fair enough it's one of the very few things I know how to play not all of it I'm very bad at the piano I can play bits of it on the piano and I'm like oh I'm so
1: good yeah yeah,
0: yeah. um so I yeah, Claude Debussy is probably most closely associated with a style of music called Impressionism, which I guess that piece would sort of broadly fall under. Mm. He wasn't a massive fan of the label himself, but sort of... That's... Not a massive
1: fan of labels. <laughs> he's he's
0: so. his own guy now. <laughs> yeah. um, but so broadly speaking, it's Impressionist, which talks more subjectively about mood and atmosphere rather than actively describing a certain event or um,
1: And what, what were you saying about the poem?
0: Uh, yeah, so the poem... Uh, is called Claire de Lune as well, which means moonlight, or the light of the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's talking about sort of beauty and sadness mingling together under the moonlight. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's not, they're not necessarily positive emotions, but it's sort of really like nostalgic and yearning and beautiful. Well, you, you sort of,
1: uh, that's very well embod- that's embodied in the song itself. I think isn't so, it? I think so, it's, yeah. it's not happy, it's not sad, but it's sort of it's like melancholy it's, it's the impression of but that. hopeful it's, yeah. and yeah. uh but it's, it's basically just a real nice show it's a
0: banger <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: as they say lovely okay um,
0: so that's our first old piece by debussy and then as is the way on that classical podcast i've chosen a piece <laughs> that everyone will know Kelly, you've chosen a piece that no one's ever bloody heard of.
1: Um, yeah, actually, I, if I'm totally honest... Oh, wait,
0: sorry, uh, let me interrupt you. I just realised in the take before, I said that that was the third movement of three. It's actually the third movement of four in the Sweet Beggar Mask. Sorry, carry on.
1: Unforgivable. Unforgivable. Um, yes, I have chosen... It's actually, it's it's sort of three pieces in one. Uh, Three in one. Buy okay. one, get one free. Right. Buy one, get two free. Um... <laughs> and it's a set of pieces called Chanson de Bilitis, mm-hmm. uh, which are basically songs about a, a woman called Bilitis. Now, the story behind this one is that um, Debussy was mates with this uh, poet, this writer called Pierre Louis. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I, I'm very sorry, Pierre listeners.
0: Pierre Louis. Louis, Louis, Louis. Something like okay, that, yeah. That's enough.
1: Uh, so, um, Pierre wrote this in about 1895, this set of poetry. Mm-hmm. And the sort of joke, but everyone believed that these. he was translating the poems from, you know, he'd found them in the in the tomb of this Greek priestess, you know, <laughs> thousands of years ago. And everyone was like, oh, that's so cool.
0: Loads, loads of stuff um, like that. Um, yeah. Like loads of books written around that time by Why French writers. How did they
2: do that? Well,
0: because uh, around that time, it was sort of like, they were excited about the fact that there were other countries. When was the first time you heard about other countries? So they're like, oh my, I oh my God, I found this letter written by someone from Persia. Yeah,
1: well, they're a bunch of liars, aren't they? they um that But basically, uh, Debussy was friends with this guy, yeah. And these poems were about the sort of adventures. There are 143 poems um, in this set. God. And um, they're about this this woman called Bilitis. And, um, okay. Biliti. and um, basically, Debussy put three of these poems to to music
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I just think they're really beautiful I hadn't actually heard them until a couple of months ago and okay. I was at this concert and um, I just thought maybe more people should be listening to them Lovely. Um the first one is called Le Flute de Pain
2: mm-hmm.
1: not bread
0: which means the flute of pan the
1: flute of bread um, <laughs> the flute of pan like um, pan, yeah. pan 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 pipes pan. They, 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 um <laughs> and, guy. Uh, so this one and they're all very short this first one is talking about how Pan is teaching her to play the flute on mm-hmm. these sort of pipes and it's their sort of flirty oh flirty oh. um and it sort of talks about uh, their little mouths meeting on the little pipe and, oh, it's very, oh, her mother doesn't know that she's out. Oh. Um, so that's the sort of courting stage. And okay. then the, the second piece is called Le Chevelure. Goes up a notch. The hair. And oh my days, <laughs> just you wait for this one, guys. I actually texted Chris when I, ta- when I um, chose this piece to, to do this week. I texted Chris saying, am I allowed to use the word climax? <laughs> On this podcast because this this one this middle one is just it's a bit raunchy. Like,
0: we're trying to keep it PG. nelly here, ladies um, and gents. But, um it's,
1: it's very <laughs> naughty but it's like we're not really banging but in my mind we're banging and like that, <laughs> is, that, is, that is how it goes that's basically a nice summary we don't even have to listen to it now Lovely. actually okay and then um finally the last one so so sorry you've got the first one which is like flirty you know single ready to mingle yeah the middle one, which is like, we are doing this passion time. <laughs> <laughs> and you finally got the last one, which is called Le Tombeau de Nayade. Um So the tomb of the Naiad, or the nymphs or, you know. And, oh, things are taking a turn. Oh, dear. Oh, it's, it's frosty. Oh, it's, it's frosty. cold. And uh, you'll hear her, I'll play a little bit. In, and um, she's singing about how, you know, she's looking for these nymphs. She's looking for the satyrs. And the guy just turns to her and goes, oh. They're dead, dead,
2: mate. They're dead. dead. <laughs> dead like our
1: love.
0: Oh, man, this sounds
1: brutal. Um, so it's... Like,
0: I don't think we can, like, ascribe biographical stuff to these songs, but, like, that's, that was kind of... Do <laughs> style no. just like, nah, mate, see ya.
1: But that is it. And it's like, I hate to quote Beauty and the Beast, but tale as old as time. <laughs> like, you know, the courting, the passion, and then the inevitable end. Wait, that's not how it happens at the end
0: of Beauty and the Beast. No,
1: the song, Tale as Old as Time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> totally we have not seen the version. same film. That's okay, the Grimms right, okay. Um Anyway, um, yeah. Without much further ado, let's have a, um, listen. Let's have a listen. I'm just going to play because you know the full the full set of the pieces is about nine minutes, so I'm just going to play a bit from each. And do watch out. It, it's it's great. Um, just before we we listen, sorry. In the first one, when you hear uh, the singer talk about grenouilles mm-hmm. frogs, yeah. listen to the music and. Uh, You'll hear Debussy try and simulate the croaks of frogs. So this is La Frite de Pâme. This is La Chevelure. This is the last piece it's Le Tombeau de Nayad That was uh, Régine Crespin (laughs) Crespin, singing uh, the Chanson de Bilitis by Debussy. Uh, Thoughts, Christopher?
0: Uh, I heard the frogs, sort (laughs) of. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. So often songs like that, they repeat a bit more. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit more like obviously poetry, whereas this is very much a narrative. She was just Mm -hmm. telling a story all the way through.
1: And they're not very um, sing alongable, are they? but I guess it doesn't always have to be that way. It doesn't. Um, And we were having a bit of a bit of a laugh, weren't we? Uh, Especially in the middle one, because as I as I mentioned before, of the um, several climaxes Uh, uh, in the (laughs) in the second piece, Le Chevalier. And uh, it's so interesting because. It's so in your face. The, the, He's not being
0: subtle about it The at first
1: all. one is on the word bouche, which means mouth, and you just mouths touching. la just there's something like, all right, Thanks, DC. Um, we, we get what you're going for. Yeah, and then yeah, it sort of carries on in that way, and then the sort of snuggling at the end, where it gets very quiet, uh, and the frisson. It's you know, it's, it's nice. Oh, um, nice, and yeah, and then the last one where it gets a bit sort of sad. But I, I love them. I think they're great. I think they're solid pieces, um, yeah. And no, I'd
0: not heard those before, actually, I would. Yeah. Say, I mean,
1: I don't know whether it's just me, but I hadn't really thought of Debussy as someone that wrote songs, like not singing, no, singing, songy songs, the technical thing. Yeah, author. he's not
0: usually known for vocal music at all, is he?
1: No, so no. Um, I just thought it would be nice just to um, <laughs> just, yes, smatter a bit of that around. A few, a few climaxes.
0: Very good, Kelly. Well done. Thanks. Right, Debussy Done.
1: Done. It's that classical podcast. Is that funny? So next up, we're doing Stravinsky. Stravinsky. Strav. Um, As no one calls him. <laughs> I am actually. I'm just calling you. I'm going to have to call him Strav in my one minute history because it's, it's actually. Stravinsky. I didn't call my. I
0: didn't call Debussy. Deb. Mine's
1: more of a tongue twister. Vaguely. <laughs> really. um, yes. So we're going to do another um, one minute. Uh, potted, history. potted history for you. Right, um, I've got
0: my timer out now. <coughs> I'm ready. I'm going to be militant. I'm going to try and put you off, at you. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Are you ready, Kelly?
1: Okay, go on.
0: Okay. 60 seconds, the whole history of Igor Stravinsky. Three, two, one. Go.
1: Igor Stravinsky was born on the 17th of June, 1882, in St. Petersburg, where he also grew up. He was super good at music, but his parents were like, "No, mate, you're going to be a lawyer." So he studied law at uni, but only went to like two classes over four years. And then he met Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, who taught him loads of music stuff, and also wrote Shéhérazade, which is great. But there's no time to talk about it now. Um, Stravinsky married his cousin in 1906, by the way. Fun fact: in 1909, when he debuted The Shirts of Fantastique and the Fireworks in St. Petersburg, he met Sergei Diaghilev of Ballet Uzès, with whom he would collaborate for several decades. Diaghilev basically made him famous overnight. Ballets like Firebird, Petruska and uh, finally The Rite of Spring in 1913, which Chris is going to talk about. In like twenty minutes. Thirty uh, seconds. Strav lived in France with, and then Switzerland and then France again for a bit, and started pining for Russian, writing awesome folk songs like the one I'm going to play. You got really poor, and then did quite well again. Started writing jazz pieces. In 1918, he then went at a ballet with Diaghilev and started the neoclassical movement. Lost some members of his family in the 1930s. Moved to America in 1939. Married the woman he'd been extramarital to. in America. Um, uh, he was poetry chair at Harvard for a bit. Then he settled in Hollywood and hung out with loads of hipsters like Aldous Huxley. Got arrested for rearranging the national anthem. In the 60s, he moved to New York, where he stayed until his death in 1971. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and and he won a Grammy in 1987 from the grave. Okay, bye. Oh,
0: 59 <laughs> seconds and nineteen milliseconds. Oh, oh my god. absolutely crushed it. That was it.
1: the most stressful thing. Right, wasn't it? It's horrible. Done. Oh my god.
0: Are we. I hope this doesn't become a recurring feature in the podcast. I hope I'm it does. It I oh.
1: that kind of. I haven't got that kind of rush for a long time. <laughs> oh baby. <gasps> oh gosh. Well, I hope you understood en- some of that. Um, <laughs> just
0: got a vague impression. Yeah, of it was to mainly Spirinsky. just
1: garbling. Um, right. But <laughs> <laughs> to carry on okay so I'm actually now just going to jump straight into another piece one, one piece, piece that I chose
0: um, what piece are you going to talk about composed so... by Mr. Stravinsky
1: so um, the one again I've chosen four in one buy one get four Three other ones free. Did the math right this (laughs) time. So uh, they're called Four Russian Peasant Songs. They're written from about 1914 to 1917. Mm -hmm. And if you managed to hear anything I just said in that 60 seconds, uh, I did briefly mention (laughs) that when Stravinsky wasn't living in Russia, he he couldn't go back to Russia for a long time because of the war. Um, And um, he sort of started pining uh, for the homeland, for the motherland a little bit. And he got really into folk lore, sort of folk stories and stuff.
0: Russian folk rather than like guys with beers and acoustic guitars. Not
1: uh, Mumford and Sons, right. no. Cool. Uh, who knows <laughs> if he'd like them today, I don't know. Um, these four peasant songs, they're called On Saints Day in chigasak They only take about three minutes in total, by the way, all four of them. Um, On Saints Day in Chiggersack, mm-hmm. Overson, The Pike, and Master Portly. Master
0: Portly, that's what they used to call me at school. <laughs>
1: Right, so uh, the reason I chose these is because I just thought the stories behind them were really sort of lovely. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And um, uh, Stravinsky said that they're the kind of songs sung by peasants while fortune tellers read their fingerprints on the smoke blackened bottoms of saucers. Very Um, evocative. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It turns out that actually I think that was a mistranslation and it was a different kind (laughs) of uh, sort of fortune telling from a big. Like bowl of water or something. Anyway, um,
0: so you have no idea what. No, this is what
1: this is the debate in the classical music world. I'm just, you know, just fighting everyone's corner. (laughs) So the first song here um, on Saint's Day in Chigarsak. By the way, all of these totally a cappella, so that there are no instruments. He did add some horns in later years, but Mm -hmm. the the ones I'm going to play, it's just voices, really pretty. Lovely. Um, The first one on Saint's Day in Chigarsak. It's they're all a bit nonsensical, really. It's all in Russian. Um, just it's... because you
0: don't speak Russian doesn't mean they're nonsensical no but
1: even in Russian I mean they I mean I think the, the words here translated are so it is said that on Saint's Day in Chigasak, on Yauzoy all the lucky peasants roll in riches gathering golden pieces by the shovelful and silver by the basketful I mean, that doesn't sound that nonsensical well, yeah, it's but... poetic um, so it's all, <laughs> just, it's all about it's just because you don't
0: speak Russian you're like oh, no I have no <laughs> idea they're yeah, talking absolute ridiculous. nonsense
1: uh, so that's the first one. And then the second one, Overson, is um, about sort of a hunting excursion that ends with the added luck of the hunter finding a handful of money. Um, is, is all these
0: fields are just covered in like silver, gold and money.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. The next one, the pike, is about fish that's made of jewels. Do
0: we think that Stravinsky maybe had a bit of an idealised <laughs> remembrance of what Russia was actually like yeah, during the First World War?
1: Um, and then the last one is about um, the harvest and spreading seeds through a field. And... Um, Master Portly, it's sort of in between the, the choir shouting, glory, which is Slavo. They're like, glory, glory, glory. And they're talking about Master Portly who's got a sack full of fleas. What? That's, that's glorious. So, what
0: w- well, everyone else is like, oh my God, look at this fish <laughs> made of literal diamonds. And then this
1: Master Portly's got the fleas. Sack. A
0: sack of, a, a sack of yeah. fleas.
1: Um, but it's, you know, it's harvest. Anyway, <laughs> it does paint a really sort of great picture of okay. what it used to be I'll like, take I guess. It. Okay, sure. Um... So, yeah, let, let's have a listen. We're going to listen to the whole thing actually, because it's only three minutes. Um, so, it's rather difficult to cut and paste. Um, let's do it. All right, here we go.
0: I like that a lot. I think that's great.
1: That is the first time you've ever said that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so isn't it? immediately no, no, after a piece I've chosen, oh. I'm so pleased. Um, it's lovely, isn't it?
0: I was struck by how modern it's because I mean it was written what like a hundred years Do ago. You know, now? now? It sounds um, really modern. You may still. hate me
1: for saying this.
0: Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I'm ready.
1: When I oh god, when I first watched the film Frozen, uh, it immediately <laughs> reminded me of this song. Um, well, that's what they were going for they were trying to sort of copy like that
0: sort of Nordic crunchy, slash Russian yeah yeah
1: so if anyone out there enjoys Frozen you'll enjoy this song as well I'm yeah, sure yeah, but not? it's not Adina Menzel um, but yeah I just thought that the chords are so crunchy and just yeah, yeah, nice so great and um
0: yeah, we were actually saying off mic, um, I don't know if you know him, a sort of a composer who's writing stuff at the moment, a guy called Eric Whitaker, who writes a lot, a lot of stuff for, for choir. He's a lot of these chords that add in, mm. um, I won't go too far into the theory of it, but it adds in sort of ninths and sevenths and extra mm-hmm, notes mm-hmm. to make it sound... Mm-hmm. Clashy and crunchy, mm. and we realised that he's basically just ripped that off I from Stravinsky. Of, I will, I
1: will continue to talk about this later, but I think a lot of people have ripped off Stravinsky. Uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? He's, d- done, he's had a lot
0: of great ideas.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. So, w- did you did you have a favourite song of the four?
0: I think the last one, the
1: star, poorly. I was just saying to Chris that I sang these um, in a chamber choir, but we sang them in English, and no, they, they sounded ridiculous <laughs> they're not Russian uh, folk genes so exactly there we go um, alright so on to the last piece
0: the last piece for today so the piece I've chosen um, is going to be the Rite of Spring which is uh, one of the three ballets that Kelly mentioned earlier so the three sort of most famous ones that he's got are Firebird Petrushka and the Rite of Spring mm-hmm. uh, the Rite of Spring is written sort of between 1911 and 1913 I
2: think 1913
0: was the premiere yeah, of it as it well yeah was yeah um, <laughs> And basically, the initial public reaction was not overwhelmingly positive.
2: You could say. <laughs> uh,
0: basically, it's most well known for there being more or less riots at the premiere. Uh, so it was premiered in Paris. Um, it's pretty wild. So the crowd sort of jeered and booed and hissed all the way through yeah. from the start. But then I
1: think people were enjoying it. Well, sort of. But, <laughs> but it was more sort of like a frenzy, wasn't it?
0: They, yeah, everyone went mad. It was mostly at the choreography. So the music is pretty crazy, but the choreography was sort of so primal and wild. So the, the story is it's sort of uh, an imagined version of a prehistoric Russia that Stravinsky sort of made up. Mm. And the, this Rite of Spring is about a teenage girl who's been selected as a sacrificial victim and has to dance herself to death to bring on the spring, basically. Like you. As you do. And so everything about it is just really sort of raw and elemental. Um, and I found an amazing quote. There was a journalist who was in the audience of the the premiere and apparently the, uh, all the audience members got so worked up, this guy wrote that there was a person behind him who got so carried away that he started beating rhythmically on top of his head. Uh, but he didn't even notice for a while because he was so carried away as well.
1: Are you saying you've never done that, Chris? Just I started
0: pounding away, yeah. <laughs> but basically, yeah, so it ended up with about sort of 40 people getting kicked out. Uh, it was so noisy Jeez. that the dancers couldn't hear the music on stage. Correct. So the choreographer had to be standing in the wings, literally counting out the moves to the dancers on stage so they could... Just dance along to it. Anyway, so uh, rather than play you one straight excerpt from this, uh, we're how long go... is it in total? Oh, good question.
1: Twenty minutes. I don't know.
0: Long? No, it's a bit longer than that. I think it's close 25? to forty minutes. Is it? Yeah, oh, the whole God. thing. I think <laughs> sorry. Yeah. There's that's like a suite. There's a suite that's a shorter <laughs> right. version, but I think the actual right. total thing is um, a bit longer than that. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to play you is the intro. The in- in very first thing you hear is this. Uh, really high sort of plaintive tune now this is played by the bassoon this is strange so the bassoon is the sort of long red shaped wind instrument that you see people in orchestras playing usually plays the lower notes uh stravinsky wrote just this like insanely high part for the bassoon it's so so difficult to play on the bassoon so i've heard i've never played the bassoon. <laughs> um and then he's got other instruments coming in so the next uh instrument picking up the tune after that is the core anglais which is like a (laughs) lower version of the oboe basically (laughs) um and that's playing really really low in its uh in its range so
1: there's super high and super low super high
0: super low Mm. um and basically yeah it just sort of from the start you feel a bit unsettled and turned upside down you don't really know what's going on so let's have a listen to that intro first of all that's the introduction you were saying it didn't unsettle you
1: no I'm the opposite actually but, but I think it, it, you only you gotta hear the rest of it to sort of understand why I think that that is the settled part okay yeah it gets it gets a
0: bit wilder <laughs> because
1: that. that for me is like lulling you into false sets of security like it's gonna be plain sailing and then it, it ain't
0: it ain't absolutely <laughs> it so ain't. let's Go straight on, so then the first dance we get is called the Danse des Adolescentes um, I'm going to play it to you, and then we're going to talk about it a bit Um yeah. yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. Mm. So I can see why you thought the intro was maybe a you bit more chill mean. out than that. I do. I mean. So uh what I think is the most cool thing about this is basically the the rhythm. So harmonically nothing changes there. The same notes in the chords that get just slammed and repeated over and over mm, again. Slammed. <laughs> yeah, slammed. Um so what happens is he comes in with equal stresses uh, on the in the first two bars. So in a dance, you're usually expecting there to be a really obvious meter to follow so sure. the audience yeah. and the dancers can follow it. Sure. Stravinsky does not let you do this. So for the first two bars, all of the beats have exactly the same weight to them. So there's no like one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. It's just bum, 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 bum.
1: An onslaught.
0: An onslaught yeah. of noise and instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second you think oh, okay, I've kind of got used to this. Then he throws in all these crazy off-beats accents. Mm -hmm. So as an audience member listening to it the first time, I mean, I've listened to it a million times Mm -hmm. and I still probably can't clap along with exactly where the beats come. No, no.
2: Um,
0: Yeah, it really, really throws you off because it's so, it's just really powerful and, Mm. uh,
2: yeah. Well,
1: definitely, and... and, um... Even though as, maybe as a listener you don't really know where you are or what's going on and it sounds extremely chaotic, <laughs> um, it is sort of organised chaos, especially when you're looking at the music and you can see it, mm. it is so perfectly divided up. It's, yeah, so uh, you know, it's e-
0: even though the accents are all over the place, it's still in regular 2-4, which means that there's two beats in a bar, mm-hmm. which means that for a conductor or for dancers, if they know what they're doing, <laughs> they can follow it. Um, yeah. But Stravinsky doesn't, he does not like to let you <laughs> live easily. Uh, so, the next bit we're going to skip ahead to and listen to is the very last dance of the ballet, uh, which is called the Danse Sacrale, mm-hmm. uh, which is the sacrificial dance when the teenage girl dances herself
1: to death. To death.
0: To death. Um, so, in this one, you have basically no chance of sticking with the, with the meter. Every single bar, it changes time signature. And he also doesn't choose uh, like traditional, typical time signatures. So typically you get sort of four beats in a bar or two beats in a bar. Um, Stravinsky breaks this down so we're getting two beats then three beats then four beats then five beats then three then four then he mixes it all up so no bar is the same as the bar before it it's very
1: stressful
0: it's incredibly stressful I can see why they rioted and (laughs) shouted Smash people on the head I like my music to be predictable (laughs) Um, let's have a listen to it right. Oh, God. So stressful to listen to.
1: (laughs) So stressful. I was uh, When I was on the way here today, I was listening to this uh, on on my phone. Hmm. And um, my face just must have been this, like, mask of anxiety and fear. Oh, and then some calm, calming times. And then fear and then anxiety. And oh, my God, what's happening? This is a
0: public services announcement. Do not listen to Stravinsky (laughs) in public. Do not. You will regret it. No, you won't. That's Um, great. Listen to all the facts.
1: But anyway, yeah, it's 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 crazy, isn't it? But it's great. It it's is, so more It's Moore-ish. so clever. Yeah. It's just yeah. so
0: clever. I yeah. think. That um, if you, because we're, we're nerds, we've been following along with the score yes. while we listen to it. Oh, so yes. we can try and make some sort of sense. Yeah. Um, Just looking at the score, it oh, it's terrifying even to look at. Well, I it's, mean, I
1: I literally just said to Chris while we were listening to it, how does the orchestra play it all in time together? Because I would have no idea where I was. I guess that's just me as a musician. But, um, <laughs> like, it probably speaks more about you. But than it's, <laughs> it's so, I mean, yeah. It's bonkers. Really amazing. And you just wonder what was going on in Stravinsky's head when he wrote it. I just—I must have been imagining these scenes. I don't know. I just think that's—it's oh, it's fantastic. Primal and, and actually, fantastic. if you look, it's—I mean, it's creepy to listen to. But if you can imagine that with dance, with dancing like people hadn't really danced before um, in it, when it, it wasn't premiered. like
0: your—it wasn't your grandma's. It ballet. wasn't your
1: average ballet. <laughs> and um, go, go on Google and um, and look at like the costumes they were wearing. Yeah, and it sure. is for real. <laughs> <laughs> it's really scary. Yeah, um, so
0: mad and terrifying, but yeah. just uh, exciting Fantastic. to listen to. I think anyway.
1: All right, thanks.
0: Blood, broadcast.
1: And so uh, that brings us to the end of yet another episode. Yet
0: another second <laughs> of episode.
1: The podcast. Uh,
0: thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed.
1: Yeah, uh, it's been a good one today. I think. I mean, it's only <laughs> again, the second if we one, one but ourselves. there we go. Um, guys, we are gonna try and bring you another fantastic episode of this podcast every other Tuesday. Every two weeks on the every Reds. other Tuesday. It kind of sounds like a like an American boy band, like "Hey, we're every other Tuesday, and this is our new song. <laughs> Never gonna unfriend you, girl."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but
1: anyway, and, uh, every other Tuesday is what we're gonna do.
0: Wicked. And if you did enjoy today's show, and indeed the very first episode, the last one, um, please do let us know. So you can find us on Twitter, we're at thatclassical. You can find us on Instagram, we're at thatclassicalinsta. Mm-hmm. You can email us, we're email at gmail.com. Very clever. Can you see the little yeah. thing we've gone <laughs> with we there? Go, oh, yeah. it's very clever. And even though I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, I'm going to mention it again. If you could rate us on iTunes, leave us a nice little five-star rating, maybe write a couple of words, entice some more listeners in. Please. That do. would be that would be wonderful. Um, it really does help us out a lot in terms of boosting us up those up those charts. Those
1: podcast stairs.
0: Those heady, heady <laughs> heights of podcast stardom.
1: Great. Okay, awesome.
2: Well, um, I think we'll leave it there. Yeah, thanks very much for right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>